I'm so thankful to be here to do this with King's Grand Baptist Church. And I'm so thankful that you are here. And scripture tells us that there were shepherds abiding in the field, watching over their flocks at night. And suddenly an angel appeared before them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy. For today in the city of David is born a Savior. He is Jesus Christ the Lord. And then a host of heavenly angels came to sing the glory of the Lord and to praise him and to say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace and love to all those that turn to him. And then it says when the angels and the chorus was gone that the shepherds said, we need to go and see this thing that has been proclaimed, to see this Jesus that has been born. And so they went and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby in a barn. Maybe a cave, but in a manger. And they looked and they saw them and they celebrated and they worshiped the Lord. Now, we love that picture. Uh, we call it the nativity. <laughs> you may have it in your home. These little statues are a picture of this. You may have it on your mantle or your dining room table. You may even have it in your yard or out in front of some church somewhere. We love the picture. In fact, I would contend that there's possibly no other picture that is quite as popular during the Christmas time as this manger scene, which we call the Nativity. Now, I want you to Maybe in your mind and drawing up this picture in your own imagination to join us there at the nativity. Usually, as we look at the picture, we see the beautiful starry night. And chances are there's one major main bright star above the manger. And then we see the animals that are attending to this whole scene. There are cows and sheep and at least one donkey. It's the one that Mary was on as she rode to, to Bethlehem. And then we see the father, Joseph. Joseph, remember, he was confused. <laughs> he, in fact... I would have to say that he was agitated a few months earlier than this because he didn't understand all this. He didn't understand this young lady, a virgin, that was now with child. But an angel came to him and explained, 
and told him, Joseph, you're a part of this, and you will be Mary's husband, and you'll be the earthly father of Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph is there protectively uh, watching over his wife and his child, and it's a beautiful scene, serene and quiet. Now we look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. And Mary has just given birth to the Son of God. And now she is pondering all these things. Now Mary, Mary had a visit from an angel also. When the angel came and declared that she had found favor with God and that she was going to be the mother of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, they said, God with us. And surely this young lady, still at this point, now her baby has been born, lying there in a manger. She, Mary, is pondering, considering all these things that are so special about this scene. And then, of course, there is the baby Jesus. Now, he's just a newborn baby. He's lying in probably a food trough a bin for the feeding of the animals. And he's lying on a bed of hay. And I do believe that we like to think that maybe he was quiet and peaceful and no tears, no crying he makes. <laughs> but please remember, he was a baby. <laughs> and that baby was a human baby. Jesus Christ, fully human, and totally God and divine. But here this baby is, and I imagine there are times when he gets uncomfortable or hungry, and he cries. But this whole scene is such a beautiful place, such a peaceful thing, and I hope you can realize it as we talk about it today. I hope you see it and feel it, because it is certainly a part of the celebration of Christmas and the love of Jesus Christ. However, there is something else in the picture. There is another major, major item that is in the middle of this picture, that is behind this picture, that is above this picture, that is all around this picture. And now, no, you don't see this major item when you look at the picture in a magazine or something, or you don't see it in the scene on your dining room table. This other major item that is in this picture is the cross. The cross of Christmas. The cross of Jesus Christ. Now, I realize that maybe that thought may be offensive to some of you. Because the cross is a brutal, terrible, horrific symbol of punishment. Of horror for criminals, the, the worst of the criminals. Designed for punishment and execution. 
And yet, when we see this beautiful initial picture of the nativity, I am proposing to you that the cross is all around it because that's why the baby Jesus came. That's the reason that you and I are here. Are you aware of that? That without the cross, we would not be here. This church would not be. Your, your family would not be celebrating Christmas. The cross is the very origin of our faith. And the act of Jesus Christ on that cross some 33 years later than this beautiful nativity scene. And so I'm coming to you today to propose that unless you and I celebrate the cross, we cannot celebrate Christmas. <laughs> and we cannot celebrate the love of Jesus Christ. Because this cross, as horrible as it was, is amazing. It demonstrates the redemption and the restoration the freedom and the forgiveness that you and I live in and a part of. I know the cross. The cross is a contradiction. It's not even something we like to think about. The contradiction, it is death and life. It is love and hate. It is peace and violence. It is accusation, and forgiveness. It is all sorts of things. And that day and time, and to still in our minds, it is this horrible, brutal, terrible symbol of execution and punishment. However, I will tell you that it now, in my life and in your life, because of the love of Jesus Christ, the cross becomes the ultimate symbol of the true love that we have been given through the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is the top of the list. I wear one around my neck, have for years. We'll tell you the other night, in the middle of the night, I touched it. In, in my sleep or just as I was waking up and my cross broke off of the chain and fell into my hand. I was terribly distressed. Now, not because that's some lucky symbol. No. But I know what that says to me. I know it is a symbol of what Jesus Christ has done. And I am here before you today to help you think about that because it is God's plan and it is for you and me. I want you to think about the cross as I share with you from Scripture and from some of my thoughts about some of the very important facts about this thing we call the cross. Are you aware that the cross was and is prophetic? 
700 years before Jesus Christ, all the way back in the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah did prophesy about this event that we're now talking about, about the cross of Christmas, the cross of Jesus Christ's love. And in Isaiah 53, here's what we read. It says, Jesus grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. But surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace and love was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own ways. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Now for your continued thought, I'm going to go back and read one of those phrases again. And let it sit with us for just a moment. Please think about it. Consider it. And see it as God's gift of love to us. It says here, 700 years before this event, He, Jesus Christ, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace and love was upon Him. On the cross. The prophecy certainly became a reality with the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ 33 years after this nativity scene. The second thing that I will say about the cross is it is a statement of humility. Now, I have spoken to y'all here in this place a few weeks ago about humility. It is a basic tenet of our Christian faith. It is a part of our Christian discipleship. It is part of what you and I need to be in practice. And the cross, through Jesus Christ and his demonstration, the cross is a statement of humility and something, therefore, for you and I to receive a lesson and in this beautiful passage in the second chapter of Philippians, here's what we read. It says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Now remember, this is Almighty God, Jesus Christ our Lord, our Master. It says, He humbled Himself. 
how and why, what was the demonstration? He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I don't think that you or I are going to have to go to a cross. But we are called, we are led, we are taught to be humble. To know that my life is not my own. That God is the author of and the guide of my life. And I am to humbly, in the example and the model of Jesus Christ and his love, I'm to humbly submit myself to him. So the cross is prophetic and it is a statement of humility. And the third thing I will say is it is a statement that is personal. The cross is personal. It is for you. It is for me. Now, if you've never thought about that, please do. And I will hold before you a verse of Scripture that you know so very well. But it says that this is for you. It is personal. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him, trusts him, commits to him, that that person, you, me, we would not perish. Do you understand that that says when we believe in Jesus Christ, we do not have to die? <laughs> now, I don't understand all that because I know this body and all will perish someday. But Jesus said in this beautiful statement personally to me and to you, that when you believe in the cross of Christmas, the cross of Jesus Christ, you do not have to die. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Now, personal, let me say this very emphatically. I want you to change one of the words in this beautiful passage of Scripture. Because it says that Jesus died for the world. And yes, that is true. But will you take the, the word world out and put in there what? You. Put your own name in there. For God so loved the world, yes. But for God so loved you. For God so loved Don, that's me, and I'm taking it personally because then I can experience and look at and feel and walk in the, the love of Christmas, the love of Jesus Christ, because the cross was personal. And if I believe that, know that, I love the word know more even than believe. But when I know that, then I live in the forgiveness and the freedom of the love of Jesus Christ. So the cross is personal. And then it is a statement, and this is very important to understand, it's a statement of undeserved love. You and I don't deserve it. We can't deserve it. <laughs> Can you do anything that would make it possible for you to deserve the gift of Jesus Christ on the cross? Not at all. And he makes it where we don't have to deserve it. There's a, such a powerful scripture in the fifth chapter of Romans. Romans 5.8. And it says, Jesus demonstrated his love by this. 
in that yet while we were still sinners, he died for us. He went to the cross. Now listen carefully, and I want everybody to understand that. That's a very meaningful, significant scripture. You and I cannot earn it. He didn't go to the cross because I'm a good guy. <laughs> In fact, that matters not. It's not about what I do. It's not about what you do. It's what he has already done in the fact that he went to the cross because of his love. And while I was and still am a sinner, while you are and still are, will always be, all of us will be until he comes back or we go to meet him. We are sinners, but while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Now, I got to say this because I'm concerned about a terrible lie, a terrible situation that is within our society, and actually, more than that, it's within some churches. There are some churches and some Christians and some believe that God will love us only when we get it right, when we follow all the rules. When we're a good man or a good woman, a good family, a good church, if we are good, then God will love us. Do you see the contradiction with this scripture that I'm just mentioning to you? While we were yet sinners, which we are, Christ died for us. I am sorry, but this whole business about you got to get it right and then God will love you is a lie. It's an absolute lie, and it has a name. It's called legalism. Some of you are familiar with that term. And it is just not correct because the cross of Christmas, the love of Jesus Christ, was given freely and completely to you and me as sinners to give us forgiveness and freedom. So the cross is personal. It's representative of undeserved love for you and me. And the next thing I'll say is very close to me in many ways because most of you realize I am, yes, I love to preach, I love to teach, I love to be a part of the church, but I also for 50 years have sat in a counselor's chair in my offices. I'm a Christian counselor. I deal with hundreds of people over the years. And most all of these people do not know that they are valuable, worthy, and can receive love because of life or because of guilt or because of families or because of heartache. They just do not feel worthy. Well, the cross is a supreme demonstration that you and I are worthy of love and not only worthy of love from your spouse or your family or your friends, but you're worthy of love from Almighty God. And if you're sitting here this morning feeling unworthy, then please understand that this message and this truth and this cross of Christmas is for you. Because when you step into that, 
then you know and you can receive and you can live in the true love, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. And then that is going to give you freedom. That's going to give you forgiveness. Please learn, if you don't know, how wonderful it is to be free. Now, yes, we're to be good people. We're to follow God's rules. We're to, we're to live up to his discipleship, to live up to his teaching. We're to commit ourselves to his ways. Yes, 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 yes. But we're not to live in unworthiness. Not because you and I are any good, but because Jesus Christ went to the cross 2,000 years ago and celebrated the love of Christmas for you and me. And then the last thing I'll say about the cross, it represents finality. It is done. What did Jesus say in those seven words on the cross? He said, it is finished. It is finished. Now, he wasn't talking about his life or his ministry here on earth, although that was coming to a close before he was then resurrected and ascended into heaven. But he wasn't talking about that. He wasn't talking about the fact that in just a few moments after saying it is finished that he was going to give up the ghost, as we say, or breathe his last breath. He wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the, the message of salvation, the statement of love from him, the forgiveness and freedom that he offers to us through the cross, that that is finished. And nothing more needs to be done. Because there's nothing more that we can do other than just obey and follow his example. But as far as your forgiveness, your freedom in Jesus Christ, as far as you living in the love of the cross of Christmas, celebrating all of this that we have, what Jesus did, finalize the picture. And you and I have the privilege of just living in that and accepting that and knowing the freedom that is there. The cross of Christmas demonstrating the love of Jesus Christ. Now, I have one more very important thing to say to you. Very important things, which all of these are because they are statements from Scripture and they are statements from the Lord. But this last statement is in the Fourth chapter of First John, a beautiful section of love in Scripture. And this statement that I say to you comes from that. It says, since Jesus Christ loves us in this, this fashion, all of these ways, then you and I ought, should love each other. Now, I want that to sit with you for a moment. I have to believe that because you're here at this good church today, that part of why you're here is because you love the others sitting around you. But I know sometimes we have trouble loving each other. It's part of being a family. 
But since Jesus Christ loves us the way he loves us, then we ought, we should love each other. Now you know, I hope you know, that Jesus said that in other ways. In the 13th chapter of John and in the 15th chapter of John, he said, I'm going to give you a new command. And it is a command. And the command is that you're to love one another. And when you love one another, then people will know that you are my disciples. I ask you the question as we move toward conclusion. Do you, do I, do we want people to know? People in this church, people in this community, people. Do we want people to know that we're the disciples of Jesus Christ? Yes, no. Yes. Then Jesus said, if we accept all of this love, if we accept what he has done for us, if we live in the cross of Christmas, then we will love each other and people will know. As I always do, I want you to think about that and then we're going to move toward a little bit more for our service today. So please just think for a moment and think about the cross of Christmas and the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus, we come before you. We are before you as your children, as your people. And I come to times like this and I want so much to know, for you to know how grateful I am and how grateful we are for the things of which I've spoken here in these last 30 minutes. Your love, your sacrifice, the joy and the freedom and the forgiveness that you give to all of us. And I just pray so earnestly that we will be your disciples, that we will love in at least a small way and the huge way that you have loved us. We confess that we are selfish, that we confess that we do it wrong. Yet we know that in you and in your presence in our lives, there is righteousness. And in that, you give us the power to do it right. So we thank you. And I just pray for each one of us in the room, each person at King's Grant Baptist Church, I pray for us to be your people, for us to submit ourselves to you and thereby know the joy of your love. And we thank you for every piece of that. And we pray in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.